This is a Dragon Blazer production. Unsolved Comedy. I am your host, Kizaya, and we've got my co-host, Stephen, and we've got somebody extra special. Hi, my name's Dara, and she is going to help us with this case today. She's really big into true crime. She's my sister-in-law. Be prepared to hear me ripped a new ass. It's going to be great. <laughs> Picking on Kizaya is one of my favorite pastimes. It's all of our favorite pastimes. Of course. <laughs> Even though most of the jokes that you've heard on this podcast, picking on anybody, are all picking on Steven. It's going to change today. I pick on him, too. Alrighty. So, the case that we're covering today is the third episode of the Unsolved Mysteries reboot called House of Terror, which, first of all, we're going to do our normal. I don't feel like you gave the best inflection on that. It is House of Terror. (laughs) That's so much better. Actually, it's La Maison de Terre. I'm not French. I'm America! (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's start out. We'll ask Dara first, since she's our special guest. What did you think of the coverage of the case on the actual episode itself? Um, I mean, it was pretty decent. Um, There was a lot of details that I feel like they could have delved into a lot more. And one of the things that kind of caught me off guard is... uh, the lack of suspects. Yeah, they literally only suggested that Xavier was the suspect. That's it. Yeah, like, they, they gave no other options. And as we delve a little more into it um, and, and get to kind of some of our own theories on it, I think that's going to become an important thing for me, is that they only give one option. Yeah, there's no like additional, hey, this is a little bit weird. You know, yeah. this guy might have done something, which is something they gave us people that didn't even know the victims in the last case that we covered. So this is extremely different. Yeah. What yeah. did you think of the coverage of the case, Stephen? Um, I couldn't understand a word they said. <laughs> and I understood it all without subtitles. I will say, I got all of my notes for this case from the actual episode... And I would not have gotten them if it wasn't for Dara, because she understands French completely, Um, which was very good. (laughs) It was like reading a book. Yes. (laughs) Or listening to your annoying friend slash cousin slash sister-in-law translate (laughs) a bunch of random French people. Yes. Correct. All right. So let's delve into the case a little bit. 
This case has four victims. Five victims. Five victims. Plus two animal victims as well. Yeah. Like, what the hell is up with that? Like, <laughs> seriously. Like, the dogs are important too, man. Dogs, lives dogs matter. Dogs' lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> bark, bark, bitches. I almost get more annoyed that they don't talk about the fact that the dogs died. Like, literally. You, you had no information, nothing in the timeline about when the animals well, were killed. The really weird thing about that. And it's not so much that, you know, dogs' lives matter and all, but um, they they had no blood on the scene, and killing two dogs without a struggle is really odd. Well, I assume that did the dogs they, were killed outside. Did they mention if the dogs also had those sleeping pills? They never said whether... Tox- um, or did they not do an autopsy? They probably the didn't do a tox report on the dogs, you know. So I find that odd. I don't know. I find it strange that you can kill the number of people that were killed while the animals are still alive, especially when you're talking about, um, so they don't specifically say in the episode, but from what I was looking up, um, and what they show in the episode, the dogs are Rottweilers. Like, we're not talking about Little Boston small little you know yappy dogs. We're talking about big, muscular animals that um, are well known to be incredibly loyal and to you know and and protective of of the people that they uh, belong. And they were to. shot. Yeah, and the dogs were were shot. What I assume probably happened to the dogs. But- I, I suppose we should probably wait till we get to there in the yes. story, but yeah, yeah. we're jumping we're, ahead we're a jumping little bit. Ahead a little jumping bit. ahead, there, there were some really strange circumstances. Some really, like I feel like we're dealing with a Dexter type killer because, like, there's no blood. Like, I feel like the whole room had to be wrapped in like a had tarp or saran wrap. Yeah, but the only we're talking about literally the entire house, not just one room. That well, literally, have, the, there's no DNA evidence at all. Not fingerprints, not a single drop of blood, not a single hair or fiber. I mean, we're talking about literally the most sterile crime scene I have ever heard of. For them to not even to be able to detect the most minute with luminol and and the different testing options that they have available to not be able to get any type of fluorescence of blood when there's five people and two animals... Killed in a home? Yeah, Dexter... Dexter's it. I mean, how much plastic wrap is there (laughs) available in France? Because I feel like it was all in this one house. I have some thoughts on that, which I will get into when we get to that part of the case. So let's talk about the people in this case. We have two counts. One is the father of the suspect. His name is Newbert. And then we have... Or Hubert, sorry. And then we have Count Xavier... Who is this primary suspect? And Which I think is a great is, name. I just want to say that. It's that's a just wonderful because it's your name. son's name. Do you want that's, to pronounce that last name right. for me? Um, the oh, okay uh, is um, Dupont de uh, sorry Dupont de Legions. So that is Xavier and Hubert's last name. And then we have the four children: Arthur, Thomas, Anne, and Benoit. 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 And the wife. And the wife, her name is Agnes. Those are the main people in this case. Yeah. 
Um, let's start out with Count Xavier. He is French nobility, and when all of this takes place, he's 50 years old. And we know that he's at least four years older than his wife Agnes, because when they meet, she is 16 slash 17, and he's 20, 21. Um, we also know that Arthur is not his. Um, Xavier breaks up with Agnes after they meet for about a year's length of time and comes back and she's pregnant with somebody else. She did some... Yeah, and it was was considered incredibly taboo um, amongst the French nobility even today for um, there to be an unwed mother and an even more unheard of for another member of French nobility to marry right. that woman and and adopt their illegitimate child and, and give them a you know a legitimate name. He's a very courageous douchebag. Yes, he's, he's uh, yeah. I don't uh, like this guy. <laughs> he's, he's awful. So we've got Arthur, who's twenty, who is the adopted step stepson of Xavier. We've got Thomas, eighteen, who is his first biological son. And 16, which we hear that she's the best student of all the children. That's yeah, like she's the also a model. So she's yes. she's very pretty, but incredibly intelligent. And then Benoit is 13. Um, let's see. So on the 11th, we notice that... 11th of April. The 11th of April in 2011. 2011. We notice that Shutter... Uh, no, yeah, the, ma- the note on the mailbox... Yeah. Stop sending mail here. And then we notice that the shutters are closed where they are almost always otherwise open. It says, uh, return to sender. Yeah. It does say return Yeah. The, they, so they interview a neighbor um, who is actually not just a neighbor, but was kind of considered a family friend. Um, you know, she did a lot of um, tailoring work for the family um, and lived in the same building. And right away on April 11th, she notices something incredibly strange, which is that all of the shutters to the house are closed. And she said that, you know, in the entire time that the family has lived there, they've never been closed. When the family travels, when everybody's home, you know, and this is an incredibly loud and rambunctious house of a very loving family, um, those shutters are always open. And she notices for three days straight that in addition to this this weird note on their mailbox... Which was not left by actual post office men. This was left, we'll find out later, by, by the, the family. Father. Yeah. Um, saying, you know, to stop leaving mail there. And, and she... Immediately knows that something is wrong, and within just a couple of days of noticing it, reports it to the authorities. She reports it to the authorities on the 13th, and the note is discovered on the 11th. So she reports it to the authorities on the 13th, and that's when we see Jean-Marc Bloch, and he is the chief of staff at Paris Police, and he says that that's when the first search of the house is done. Um, from what I remember, there's nothing really weird. Like, no, he just, that uh, people left willingly. Just, uh, blankets are missing, some clothes were missing, so it, it all, it, oh, and the, uh, the pictures. The pictures don't go missing. Well, they don't, they don't notice that the pictures are missing until they come back later, but on that first search of the house, 
they they don't notice anything really out of place other than, you know, some clothes missing from the closet and some duvet covers missing off the beds. Um, Which was weird because he said that they had to call the locksmith to open the door, but at the same time they feel there was no reason for a formal investigation at that time. Yeah, essentially said that they they feel like the family just kind of packed up and left voluntarily, you know, kind of a little bit of in in a hurry, which was a little odd, but... Nothing suspicious in the home. Right. Um, All of the cars are still there except for the C5, which we find out where that has gone later. I'll leave that for a little bit. But then we have a couple of letters that arrive on April 9th through the 14th. They arrive to different people in that timeline. So on the 9th, a certain person gets a letter, and throughout those days, each person gets a letter. Um, yeah, and some of those people included um, friends and, and family, um, particularly Agnes's family, was really concerned when they received this letter, and this this letter is... It's very weird. I have some pieces written down. <coughs> the first line of the letter is, we are being looked after by the American government. Yeah, that essentially um, goes on to say that... Um, Xavier is actually an undercover agent for the DEA. Yeah, so he's actually been brought in by the American government to infiltrate a drug ring. And this included changed identities for the family. And in the letters, it also says we will be completely uncontactable. You won't be able to reach us in any way. Okay, so this is weird. (laughs) Yeah, this is is bizarre as all get out. And I remember you saying that it was, did you say it was Agnes's family that sent the letters? No, it was Agnes's family who received the letter and was incredibly concerned about it because it didn't line up with anything that they knew to be true of Xavier or Agnes or any member of the family. But then there was, you know, Bruno, um, Xavier's best friend, who's like, oh, yeah, I can totally hear Xavier saying this. He's this incredible man who's lived this huge life. And and I could totally see him being an undercover agent for the DEA because that's what we all think of our best friends, right? Well, and the weird thing is is that um, this, it's, like, it's odd. It's, this letter is addressed to these people and signed by Agnes and Xavier, apparently. But it makes no mention of the children except that they're being looked after by By the American government. government. Now, how possible? Because, okay, so Xavier, based on what we know after watching the episode, um, essentially disappears. And, okay, so if I did this, and I sent a letter. This is really elaborate yeah. to send. So, especially when is we there find out any kind of basis of truth? Do you think on this letter? Well, so we find out in the episode two that from two thousand and one until very early into two thousand and eleven, the family actually lived in Florida now in they, the U.S. Yeah, they fucked it all up and they lost all of their money. But they I thought did, they tried to move to they Florida. They tried to did move to Florida, but they did it for ten actually, years before. No, it they tried completely. for ten years before they. Before, but they so they had connections to the U.S. Now, how likely is it that this random French nobleman is? 
is an under undercover agent for U.S. authorities. What I mean, very unlikely. I mean, there would have to be some other agencies involved. Um, you know, the, some other Not police forces. The, the U.S. doesn't just assume authority over. I get, I get, I get, I get all that. Not to mention that these people were staunch Catholics. So imagine the things that you have to do as somebody undercover infiltrating a drug ring. You have to potentially kill people. You have to potentially have sex with people that well, somebody are not doesn't have a problem killing people. Well, yeah, somebody. Does. <laughs> I just you know. I mean, or dogs. Yeah, or really, dogs. honestly. Or children. But children. Has, like. <laughs> It would make it would be a lot. It's easy, it's a lot easier to believe when we find out what his motives would be that he did this for those motives as opposed to he was actually a, a, a spy for the DEA because that entails so many things that would go against his religion. I just feel like it's, it's super elaborate if it was completely fake. And, like, wouldn't it have been easier to be like, we went on vacation? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but being on vacation doesn't have, isn't a long-term answer. He didn't want them to ever look well, for the body. I mean, it's... Okay, but you don't show up and people are going to look for the bodies. They got that letter and people still looked for the bodies. Yeah, so, so they, got these, <laughs> they got these letters. And, essentially, Agnes's family read the letter and immediately went to the district attorney and was like... Yo, dude, this doesn't make sense. Um, my daughter and my grandchildren just up and disappeared, and so did my son-in-law. But I get this letter saying that my son-in-law is is an Weird undercover shit. agent <laughs> for the U.S. authorities, and we know that they've you know made all of these attempts and and, and to to move to the U.S. and it essentially you know, screwed their financial situation beyond repair, which nobody knew about. His children all attended well, private schools and universities, and he's French nobility, which they expect to have money, and nobody knew that old man had just straight up spent all of their money. Now, and let's, let's talk for a minute about how many times the cops went to this house. Because it's an excessive amount. The yeah. cops well, they didn't went, find anything. The cops searched the house five times in total before they searched the final time and found bodies. But they searched the house five times in a week. Exactly. They searched the 13th was the first search, the 15th was the second, the 18th was the third, and then the 19th and 20th both had searches as well. So five times within this, within like well six times because they yeah. also searched it the very next day and that's when, when they, they discovered the bodies. The bodies. Yeah. yeah, it seems like and they focused the mostly on the inside up, of the house yeah. and then didn't find it until they actually searched the outside. Yeah. And you brought up pictures missing. They noticed that the pictures are missing on the fifteenth, and they said that that's not suspect because when people leave a home, they take things that are the, dear to them. Yeah, that that means something to them. Yeah. Um, but then we find out on the sixth search, so during the sixth search, um, there's two things happening, happening simultaneously. So there are police officers searching the home and surrounding area. And at the same time, the district attorney is giving a press conference 
basically saying that they're going to launch a formal investigation into this disappearance that that it is very worrying that this whole family is missing. And in the middle of the press conference, so we're talking, he's literally speaking to the media. Yeah, and he stops the press conference dead in its tracks to take a phone call. And what we assume that phone call said is, hey, you need to stop this. We just found bodies. Because he says that they're going to delay the press conference after he gets off the phone. Um, yeah, and they then, don't really come back to that either. No, well, they, they kind of do. Um, Bruno, Xavier's best friend, then talks about how, as the press conference is, is continuing, it actually goes to live coverage where they discover these graves buried under or, yes. or dug underneath the, the terrace, the terrace yes. in the garden but and it was it was weird because when they found the graves they found one large grave that had Agnes Arthur Anne Benoit and both dogs and then in a separate grave, they found Thomas's body right. all by itself. Now, I think... Thoroughly the, proving that Xavier had a favorite. I well, think, I, Xavier had... He had something... Xavier had, had a continuing bloodline. Yes. The one thing that I do want to address is how these bodies were found. Because it was fucked up. It was weird. These bodies were found in large trash bags, and they were bound inside the trash bags. And then the trash bags themselves were bound with duct tape. Well, they also, so the bodies themselves were actually wrapped in the blankets and sheets that were missing from inside the house. And then the the blankets were were bound, and then they were placed in large trash bags, and the trash bags were bound. But there's interesting little items found with each body. Each body has a religious icon, and from what I think you mentioned... This is supposed to imitate a religious burial. Right. So they're found with rosaries and religious candles and, you know, things that are part of a Catholic burial ceremony that takes place at the cemetery when someone of the Catholic faith is buried. Um, so the, the significance of these items is that um, the person who buried the bodies has this emotional bond where they want the bodies to be treated with reverence and, and essentially was trying to make the ground they were buried in consecrated, essentially giving them a, a truly religious burial in coincidence with their faith. Um, the other thing that the police noticed, very obvious... Sorry, I have to state the obvious. Xavier's not there. Yeah. He's not anywhere. Whoops. Yeah, you know, so... And he is immediately presumed the prime suspect, and according to them, they mentioned this later on in the episode, he is the only suspect that they've ever looked at on this case, ever. And now we're we're doing a French Where's Waldo. Yeah. Yeah. Literally a French Where's Waldo, because this guy just disappeared. We'll find out later that he didn't actually just disappear... But it appeared at the beginning as though he had just poof vanished. Um, but yeah, I mean, bizarrely <laughs> enough, we figure out that he actually spent the next 
week. So we have to backtrack just a little bit. We have to backtrack to the... Third, third and fourth, which third is of one April. Of the well, we actually have to backtrack place. a little bit before that because there's something that we've left out that is pretty crucial. So we've talked about how Xavier was incredibly concerned about their financial situation um, and the fact that uh, because they had lost all of their money, he was no longer going to be able to provide them with the nice house and cars and and the private schooling for his children. But what we haven't talked about yet is that in January of 2011, his dad dies. And Xavier is responsible for going to clear out his father's apartment. He does it completely all by himself. That's something that Bruno made a big point of, is that he did it by himself. And so, did they mention how his father died? Um, He just said that he had an illness, that it was a totally natural death. He had an illness, and he was lonely, and he was in poverty. They said that all yeah. of those things contributed to his death. Which was something else that was kind of not well known, was that his father had also Spent all of lost money. all of his money. Um, but there was... There Apparently was, not known to Xavier, either. Yeah, yeah, because Xavier assumed that there was some kind of monetary inheritance that his father had left him, and that was going to save him, right? Yeah. But there is nothing. So this is what I'm asking. What are the possibilities it wasn't a natural death? I mean, they didn't really explore that at all. Um, it's something that crossed my mind. But we I'm have to remember... financially. I'm already... It already seems like there's a possibility I might be able to go insane and murder my entire family. Uh, I don't feel like knocking off your father would be too much harder. <laughs> well, it's. I think it might be worth mentioning another another possible theory for why his father had no money left. So it's mentioned that Xavier has been having financial problems for years. What if the reason why his father had no money left is because he had been fronting Xavier's lifestyle? Or at least paying his credit card bills. Or, you know, covering something to help his son financially. But Xavier goes to his dad's apartment after his father passes away, whether it's because of natural causes. I mean, they really don't go into it too much. Um, You would think that before you knock your father off, that you would check and make sure he left you some money. That you wouldn't just just make that mistake. If he's nobility and he'd given you no reason not Not to think think he has money. money. I mean, it's... It sounds like nobody knew either of these men were having problems financially. Mm -hmm. So it's very possible he didn't know his father was having problems financially. Because his father sounds like he might have been a same type of guy as Xavier. Now, the one thing that they do mention that Xavier spends a lot of time looking for is the family ring. They say that he finds the long rifle. He finds a twenty-two long rifle, but he's searching for the family ring. Do we know what happened to that family ring? And it went with him, from what I... Well, it, yeah, it disappeared really, wherever They don't really mention what happened well, to that ring. Well, the reason I'm asking is because if he was so interested in that ring and he already had this plan to off his family, is it possible he took that ring as collateral and then pawned it and was able to get money from it? I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities, um, but the the ring in particular that he was looking for is the um, the signet ring uh, that that bears the family crest. Um, so it would have been a family heirloom passed down through generations of 
you know, counts. Right. Um, well, the only reason I say that is because we know that they were found as religious icons. We know they were all found together, but... Yeah, they never found they the never ring. They never found the ring. It's not like he left it. Like, I would feel differently if maybe, like, you know, we know that Thomas is the oldest biological son of Xavier. So I would feel differently if maybe he had left the ring with Thomas, but he didn't do that. Yeah. So I assume that it wasn't something he actually gave a fuck about. He probably was looking for it to see if it had any monetary value. So, yeah, so Xavier goes and, and searches his father's apartment. He finds the ring, um, and we learn all this through a, another neighbor of... Yeah, this is a family friend. His name is Michael Calvey. Um, but while he's clearing out the apartment, he's he's states to... Mr. Calvi, that he is looking for money and that there is none there. But the only thing of importance that he inherited other than the ring is this 22 long rifle that belonged to his father. And that weapon becomes an important thing um, to look at the timeline of right from the, the beginning of when his father passes away, too. Because within 12 days of his father passing, Xavier files for and gets a firearm permit and spends a significant amount of time, significant amount of time, learning that weapon. <laughs> and then within, within less, a, than, yeah. Yeah, less with, than a month before his family is found dead... Um, he he purchased the silencer. silencer. Yeah, the silencer no. that he purchases, he purchased it on March 12th, and it says that he obtained the firearm license on February 2nd. Okay, so I have a question. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I don't really know a lot about gun licenses, all that kind of stuff. Um, not really a gun owner myself. Well, I'm trying to figure out how he was allowed to keep it, because France has the same gun laws as England. And did he just get to keep it because he was nobility? Because they're not technically allowed to have them. I mean, I'm sure there's some particular weapons or, or circumstances in which those weapons are grandfathered in in that law. I mean, if it's a family heirloom, I mean, because yeah. we don't we don't really know any history of the gun itself, other than it was obtained when his father passed away, and then he spent. I mean, it even says at one point that he took the two, two of his. Yeah. So yeah. wait, so. You're saying that France is very similar to England's laws. What are the laws that you're talking Civilians about? Civilians are not allowed to have guns. The cops don't even have guns in the UK. In the UK, if they need a gun, they have to wait for a specialized gun officer. The cops don't even have, like, our cops have readily available guns on their hips 24-7. They do not. They, If they're, they're dealing with a situation where they need a firearm, they need to call a hotline. The hotline transfers them to the specific department that they need, and then a cop with a gun will be sent to them if they're not doing anything else. Okay. So, how is he get able to get a gun license if that's the case in France? Well, like well, I said, it might be because, I mean, I haven't researched it that deeply. I'm not that familiar with gun laws in France, but there's probably a clause that stipulates if it's a, a family heirloom okay. type weapon... I get that with the family heirloom, he could be able to have the gun because it's passed down. However, if you if they, they're that strict with gun laws, I mean, then I don't how know did he get the gun license? I don't know for sure if he if 
the place that he was at in France had the same laws. I just know that I've heard multiple um, news stories where France, like just the country of France, is not very open to guns. I mean, I believe that the United States at this point is the only country that allows fire that allows the right to bear arms. I, if I'm not wrong. No, I mean there's countries all over the world that allow you to to have firearms, but as far as having to have a license, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with gun laws around around the world. Um so I don't know. I I can't speak to that specifically whether um it is something that that a, a civilian is allowed to own. I, I don't know. I know that obviously well, we he know took it based to the, on that he did get a gun law, got um, a gun license, and was able which, to take it to a firing range and become familiar with it, yes. and was able to purchase a silencer for it. Which if my you know curious the gun laws question: in France, you can always tell us those gun laws on the Dragon Blazer Production fan page because we clearly don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so you're from France. Please if there's let us any know. French listeners. <laughs> Um, I know that a lot of actually, the only reason I mentioned that is because a lot of our listeners are from outside of the United States, so they might yeah, have more knowledge than Yeah, only 52% of our listeners are from the United States, actually. Yes. So, let's talk about the order of the deaths a little bit. Yeah, so it was, um, like... Oh, I, I had one other question. Sure, go for it. That didn't have to do with the gun. Why would you buy a gun license? If you, let's say, let's say he did it. And he killed it with this gun. Wouldn't you not want tied back with that? Like he license doesn't that kind of flag you? Why would you get a gun? This is why I'm asking this question. He probably needed the gun license really to continue to go to the gun range and get familiar with the gun, or be able to have it in his home. He might have needed a gun license, like an official gun license. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm I, not entirely sure. I mean, someone who murders his entire family might not be the best person to. That listens to laws. <laughs> well, so that was one of the things that they did actually somewhat address is that, you know, he has never been interested ever in before been interested in weapons, but he's also never ever before had any legal trouble whatsoever. Yeah, that's what's weird about this case guy. is because we are led to believe that. This man killed his entire family, and he was he's a criminal mastermind. But they, then you, you know, as they talk about so this was one of the things that really kind of irked me about this episode, was the very beginning of it, you are so immersed into the, this man is not just French royalty, but he's a super involved parent. He is uber loving to his family. He, he gives them the best of the best, but it's not just about the material things that he gives to the people that he loves. He's said to be an incredibly involved parent. And not only that, but he's got an incredibly involved wife. In fact, his wife taught all of their children in Sunday school. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's portrayed as this incredibly loving friend and family man who... Just, but the thing is, is he didn't snap. Yeah, there was no, and that was that was one of the things that irked me was it immediately went from this man who you know has had this incredible life and and has all of these successful businesses and 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 provides so much for his family, 
and and then just formulated this plan and carried out this plan. Very to- elaborate plan that caused no evidence whatsoever, no blood spots, no blood traces, no right. And anything. that's why we'll have to talk about theories here close to the end because Dara's got a couple of good theories. I've got some ideas and I'm sure you have some bad um, theories. So, <laughs> so well, to, to get to, to kind of finish up how this case goes. So, um, the kids are the, the first murders take place on the evening of April 3rd. Or the morning of April 4th. They're not Yeah, sure. it happened kind of in the middle of the night. It had to have been at night. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. But they found sleeping pills in all four of the children's Systems. systems. But not in Agnes's. And authorities believe that Agnes was actually the first human victim. And they don't give any clues whatsoever as to when the dogs were killed in this timeline. Well, I feel like... I feel like the dogs would have had to go first. They had to have gone first. Um, I feel like they had to have given the dogs some kind of drugs to be able to kill both of them without anyone noticing. And my assumption is that they gave the children... the he gave, The person gave the children the sleeping pills to knock them out. Before he killed his wife, or the accused killed the wife. Well, so she might have been the Agnes first victim, but the reason that Agnes didn't have any sleeping pills in her system is because she didn't need them. She had a CPAP machine, she was already in bed, and they noticed that her CPAP machine stopped working at 3 a.m. the night of the murders. Well, also, if she's the first one he killed, um, and he already gave sleeping pills to the, the kids, others, yeah, you know. It might be as simple as the person took them. And my thoughts is he had to have, like, put down some kind of tarp or something on the ground to yes, get Some no- way to, to prevent. Literally. Some, it had to be something crazy. Or my other thought is, is that what if the amount of sleeping pills in the system was a lethal amount? People bleed less if they're shot if they're already dead. Well, yeah, that's that's a theory, too. Um, but there's, there's a couple of other things that are kind of interesting. So we, we know that on the night of April 3rd, going into the morning of April 4th, that is when it is believed that Agnes, Arthur, Arthur Anne, and Benoit and are killed. Dogs. And the two dogs. But Thomas actually... What about, what about Thomas the was daughter? That's Anne. That's Oh, Anne. you said Anne. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. But... He actually allowed Thomas to go back to school. Thomas goes back to school on, on Sunday, Sunday the third. Yes. yes, he goes so back he, the night of the murders. Actually, and then uh, so the so the whole family had been together on Saturday the second. On Sunday the third, Thomas leaves and goes back to university. That's when they believe that all of the others were killed. And then on Tuesday, um, Xavier messages or calls Thomas and says, "Hey, you have to come back home." Your mom's been in a terrible bicycle accident. She's in a coma in the hospital. We don't know if if she's going to make it. So Thomas books it back home from university. He messages a friend at midnight. And uh, the friend replies a short time later. And that message never gets answered. Yeah, and Thomas never replies. Police assume that that's when the sleeping pills would have been administered to, to Thomas. Thomas. And then, which 
we keep calling him Thomas, but his his name is actually pronounced Tomas. Uh-oh. Um but um We're Americans, we're done. <laughs> we're gonna sorry, um, but for, that, sorry that France. Is, that is uh that sorry is when people. they believe that that Thomas is then killed. Um and buried in a separate grave from everybody else. But it, it's interesting to note, so we were talking about how um earlier about how Thomas would have been the first actual biological son he would have belonging to Xavier. And, you know, if if Xavier's plan was to kill the whole family and there not be any, you know, extra circumstances or extra work, I'm sorry, but if I'm going to kill everybody, I'm going to do it all at once. I'm not sure why I have to stretch this out over two days. Um well, at least we know how to kill everybody. Why, why didn't he do that on Saturday night when the whole family was all together? And and my theory is that it's because he, he was had hesitation. He Mad was considering hesitation. he was considering letting Thomas live and continuing the family lineage, carrying on the family name, and and hopefully not bringing the same financial disgrace. That, you know, Xavier and his father had brought to the family. Now, we don't really know what made Xavier decide to kill his eldest son. Or the rest of his family. Right, but we do know that he... Or the dogs. Or the dogs. Why kill the dogs? Well, Well, because you don't want the dogs to get away. That's the obvious one, because... The dogs are going to be giving you away as quickly as yeah, possible. Dogs, I know, but I like dogs better than humans. So. <laughs> we all know that Dara's kids are her dogs, here and at, her real kids are here at Unsolved Mysteries. Kids. We don't oh, condone <laughs> killing small fluffy animals. And I don't care if it is the 160 pound Rottweiler. We, we, su- we support not killing children as well. Dog lives matter, though. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, so the police search takes place on the 21st, and that's when we, the bodies are found. At this point, Xavier has not been seen since the 4th, according to cops at this time. We find out later that that's not exactly true, but that he'd been seen out in town. And then, so they, they're like, oh shit, it's been like, you know, three weeks almost, and we haven't even been searching for this guy, so. On the 4th? The murders take place. On the 5th, Thomas is killed. On the 6th, Xavier is seen outside, and he doesn't leave until the 10th. So he's out living his life, doing his own thing. Living his best life. Yeah, burying his family under the terrace. Which, there's an interesting thing that we need to talk about there, too. Because it's actually stated by several people in the show that they don't believe that Xavier would be physically able to dig the graves that the family is buried in. He had very well documented back issues that would have prevented him. Which, my curious question, and I don't know if you looked it up, is is that medically a thing? Um, Or is that just based on hearsay? From what I could find, it didn't look like it was... Like, there wasn't a doctor who came out and was like, yeah, he had a bad back. 
But it was something that was well known by his friends and family and, friends. and other you know I people mean, that he interacted in with. In fact, Bruno commented on his back pain and said that they had the same back pain. And it's the so, lawyer. The lawyer decides to say, um, "Hey." We don't think he could have done this. Let me also address the fact that I didn't say this at the beginning, but almost all of this information is coming from Anne Sophie Martin. She is a journalist that we assume covered the case at the time that it happened. Yeah. But almost all of this information comes from her. Okay, so um, let's say that Xavier did this. And let's say he's been planning this for a long time. I mean, it could be a long con. <laughs> well, um, I don't know that it was necessarily a asking... long con as much as he knew that he was running out of time no, 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 before no. he was discovered. That's not what I meant. At this point, what the I reason that is... they say that he, they think he killed his kids is because at the point that he was at, they, uh, they think that within a couple of months he would have lost the house, all of the cars, and his children would have been forced to go to private school. I know. What I'm saying is... Let's say he's been planning this for even longer than we thought. So if it's just hearsay and, oh, I have a bad back and you have no medical records to prove it, I mean, it could be a, a and you knew you were going to, if you had this planned out and you knew you were going to bury them in a place where it would be physically impossible for someone like that to do it. I'm just well. It's so there's there's this this idea that physically impossible. So I have a bad back. Like but everybody sitting at this table, like bend we over. all know, I have a bad back from a very bad car accident. But that doesn't mean that when the adrenaline is pumping, and I mean, uh, fair, fair, that you can't do incredible things. So but I'm not saying that it's not. Physically possible for him to have done it. That is a long adrenaline to dig a hole for... Especially hunched over. I mean, we're talking about a space that is only, like, at most... With my health problems, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, we're talking about a space... uh, Literally, they said it was probably about six inches tall, if that. Like, it wasn't very tall. It was like, yeah, I think between 12 and... And also, that's a long time to... To doing that by yourself without anybody noticing, which is what brings me to my my wait, personal conspiracy no, theory. No theories. Oh, okay. no okay. theories. Wait, 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 wait for the theories. I'm just time, trying right? to. Well, well, almost we're almost there. So on the 22nd, Xavier's car is found. His car is found, and so I'll literally wish. the day after they find the bodies, they find Xavier's car in this town way far away from where he lives. Um, but at a Formula it's in the South One of hotel. France. Yes, at a Formula One hotel. I'm trying to see if I have a Formula. I, I wrote know. down. Uh, <laughs> How it's pronounced? It's the really long one that yeah, starts with an R. One. That one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Rogue Brune sur Argence. Yeah, which is in South France. And uh, so they find his car one day after they discover the bodies, you know, after being like, oh, shit, we haven't looked for this guy for three weeks. Uh, we probably want to do that. And they checked immediately the find us, and they didn't find him. So well, but then was, they discover that there's a really, really good trail. Yeah, like really he left. Trail. He left hotel receipts, credit cards, got caught on a speed camera, ATM, ATM. But he, every place that he was captured 
having been every place that he traveled to on his way to this eventual hotel was some place that had significance in his life as far as like so his first stop was in uh was La in Rochelle. Rochelle and that's where he started his, he married, married Agnes. Um, Agnes and then Toulouse which is where a couple of his kids were born and then he just traveled on to all of these places that had, had significance to his life. But I will say this. At this point, police suspected he was going to kill himself. Which, spoiler alert, doesn't fucking happen. This guy... Well, it might well, have. We don't know. We don't know what happened. We so don't. I don't believe he killed himself. <laughs> so, so, the, so they find his car, and they're like, okay, now we know, you know where his car was. Let's look at some CCTV. And they discover that there's this video of him walking across the hotel parking lot... Carrying a bag of clothing, and then a, a, it, it, be, it becomes apparent that in one of the bags that he's carrying, he's he's actually got the rifle, the rifle, or what they believe to be the rifle. And so he walks past this camera and and looks directly at at the camera, almost kind of like, "Hey, how you doing?" And then disappears into the mountains, you know, of this area. And is never seen or heard from again. Right. Now, I will say that Bruno and this woman, her name is... Um, well, so, before we get to what they think, um, we have to note that for two months after they found the car, they actually had... Searched. They the had... area around Firemen, area. they had canine units, they had, you know, Cadaver training, dogs, you know, everything. everything. All these people out there searching these mountains and cliffs... Looking for, you know, either where he had traveled to or his body. Assuming that, you know, 98% of people who commit familiacide end up committing suicide. And so they, the authorities assumed that he had taken this little pilgrimage, reminding him of all of the good times he had had with his family. And then, you know, finally walked into this mountain and, and hid in a a cave or something and, and off themselves. Now, here's the thing, though. They never find a body. They did a two-month-long search with all of these trained animals and all this shit. All these people never found anything. But what we do find out from Anne Marie, Anne Sophie. Marie, yeah. Or Martin. Um, Anne Sophie Martin is that there's a U.S. port on the other side of that mountain. It's not not like a a U.S.-owned port, but it's a port where... um, Lots of U.S. ships come into Yeah, so it's a a trading port. About 30 kilometers away, which I don't really know how long that is because I'm America. (laughs) America. But if you like this, 30 kilometers per hour is, is about 10 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, but essentially 30 kilometers away, it is a seaport. Right. Um, it, and it leads you directly, you know, out into the sea. Um, and one of the things that numerous people end up commenting on is how easy it is to just buy a ticket on one of those cargo, cargo cargo ships, um, and essentially be whisked away. Right. And and Anne Sophie Marine Martina and uh, Bruno Xavier's best friend both make mention of the fact that um, they don't believe he killed himself. They, they don't believe, believe he killed himself, engaged. and that uh, he is fluent in three separate languages in yeah. French, obviously, 
but also in Spanish and in English. And both of them mention the likelihood of him catching a ride on a cargo ship and starting a new life in Central America or, or you know, South specifically America. Argentina. Um, because he has dark hair, dark eyes, a slightly darker skin complexion, and he already speaks the language. And then it is made mention by um, the uh, the chief of the chief hair of police. Yeah, how unremarkable his features are. He looks like everybody, nobody, and everybody at the same time. He's just somebody that could blend into a crowd, and that you could look at his face. Right. And, and uh, like, I could look at Steven right now, and I see features that could be similar right. to the his one, features. In fact, Bruno even says it's more likely that he shaved his head or dyed his hair and went to Argentina than it is that he killed himself. Yeah. All right. So are we ready for the next segment? Yes. That are will bring us the story? to the end of the case coverage. And now we'll get into the most interesting part, which is the theories. Theories. Alrighty, so now we are into my personal favorite part. I'm really excited to hear Darius' theories, but she wants to go last. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let Steven go first, because I think that his theory is going to match up with Darius, so I'll let him go first, I'll go in the middle, and then we'll do Darius last, because hers is probably the best thought out. Well, so obviously the most likely theory is that he did it himself. Yeah, he killed his entire family. But for me, that seems a little too easy. Um, obviously, there's the whole back thing, which we don't know for sure whether that was real or not. Um, there's also the fact that uh, he made it so easy to track up until he disappears, which I find very weird. So... The best theory I can come up with that isn't he just did it and disappeared, possibly committed suicide, is somebody had something over him. Which I don't know what somebody could have over him that isn't simply, well, there's money, sure, um... I mean, you never but know. This guy that, could have been, like, weird. It's not like his kids are here to tell us anything bad that he might have done. I mean, he could have been awful. He it could have been. And he could have been... Uh, but, like, it. I believe that there... Even if he did it, there's at least a second party involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. He had, he had assistance in some way. Or... I think he hired Dexter, and Dexter did the whole thing. <laughs> Dexter from the TV show, the Showtime I mean TV show, Jesus. Dexter. Yeah. Staunch Catholic. I just Jesus thought, did it. Jesus did it. I just, th I just think it was his dark passenger just waking up. <laughs> That's a Dexter reference for those who don't watch Dexter. Um, but it. It almost seems like this seems almost too professional. Almost like like a French mafia or something was involved. Or or a very misunderstood 
U.S. government agency. <laughs> oh Jesus! Who Christ. is who is very good at uh, cleaning up crime scenes? <laughs> yeah, the the crime scene, like to believe that Xavier think, did this honestly, on his own is, to my knowledge, he doesn't have any previous like education. Forensic. I mean, he have he probably has. Obviously, a college level education, being French nobility, that's pretty commonplace. But as far as a forensics education, or the, I mean, I've never heard of another crime scene where there's literally absolutely no evidence at all. I mean, I've heard of cases where the evidence is very minuscule or has been degraded by cleaning agents or but they literally found nothing unless they weren't killed there yeah but then i mean that's not even where i mean because here's my thing and this is just we'll go into my theory a little bit so i don't get to finish you're gonna finish oh yeah yeah (laughs) no no continue because i just here's my thing there was no gunshot holes in the beds so they weren't mm, killed in the beds point. it is a good point and they weren't but killed they did in the find, but they found all of the bullets lodged in the bodies so there but how did he been. make how did he make that happen because if you shoot somebody point blank gun to their head like this that bullet's going through not a 22 22s are very small in the gun world well okay. i don't know a lot about guns so i'll take your <laughs> way. go ahead steven you can finish okay so yeah, we have to believe, for him to have done it by himself, we have to believe he's a mastermind and knows to make sure, which, I mean, it's possible. I guess I would I would be able to think of, you know, I don't want blood splatters, so put something down, you know? Put down but, a towel. But something that is a good, an interesting thing to bring up is, you know, the bullet holes, there not being any bullet holes in the mattresses. Is, is fairly easy to explain away with the fact that all of the bullets remain lodged in the, in, the, in the skulls. What doesn't, isn't explained by that is how do you keep blood from seeping into the mattresses? Unless you've already laid the bodies on a tarp. I, I, that's what I'm saying is... But how do you get your Somebody kids to go tarp- to sleep on a tarp? I mean, you're going to have to lift each individual body if onto the tarp after they go to sleep. So, if he didn't do it, who's to say that that didn't happen? So my thought was that whoever did it, put a tarp down, put something down to clean it up, maybe put a pillow in there uh, when he did the shot that might have made the blood soak into the pillow, soak into the pillow the, and he yeah. got rid of the pillows. But I believe he did each one individually because, like he said, now the, the dogs are a little more of a confusing factor for me. Um, I feel like that they would be harder and maybe he put them to sleep too. I wonder if he laid the bodies on the garbage bags that they were then buried in. It's, I mean, I said tart, but yeah, that's essentially what I'm saying is he did them... But then you're still expecting one 50-year-old man with a supposedly bad back to to be able to lift these grown individuals. Not to mention carry them downstairs to bury them. 
But right. you're going to have to, they have to, how, okay, so. Arthur's 20 years old. That's a full-grown adult. That's a full-grown adult who's in, in very good physical condition. And you're lifting his full body weight. You're not going to do that one-handed. Yeah, I, I, so how no did you means... lift, how did you lift the body and lay something underneath them with only having two hands? Well, I would assume he laid the tarp down. He drugged them. Then laid the tarp down while his wife was sleeping and did everything. But the kids were... Which I believe that somebody else did these things. But yes, I believe that the kids were not killed in their bed. I believe they were killed on a tarp or something to uh, stop the blood. I believe that... I, I, I don't know if he did the shooting himself. And I do also believe that he knew this was coming. I, 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 I believe he knew this was coming. And he was under some kind of coercion or direct, something like that. And he thought he saved his oldest son. I believe that he sent his oldest son. He yeah. allowed him to go thinking, well, at least maybe I can save my oldest son and my lineage. So, and then... Whoever, whoever did this, forced him. The DEA. The, D, the DEA. <laughs> the U.S. Forced, Drug Enforcement Agency. <laughs> the forced him. Um, to I believe they forced him to get his son back. Yeah. So they could have him killed too. I I don't know. I have a couple of of different. Theories and and mine also range from the more likely to the less likely. But I have a lot of questions on how. Physically, one person could accomplish well, all of this. Let, and I don't believe that they could. Right. I think that there has to be, at minimum, a second person involved. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, Stevens finished his. I'm going to go into mine. Ish, but we can, Ish. I don't think... Before you start, I have one question for Steven. Where do you think he went? What do you That's think happened question. to Xavier? Um... So I'm not sure on that, but I, I think that if if we're to believe that the mafia or, like you said, the DEA, which I'm not sure how the DEA gets involved with this case. So again, there's a there's a large port right nearby where Xavier disappeared from. DEA is works internationally. I mean, it's not an international agency, but it works with other agencies internationally to stop drug trade, which would very easily happen or could very easily happen through that port. So are we thinking he was a drug dealer of some sort? I think that there could potentially be a... That might have been the last... There's a point in the episode where um, Anne-Sophie says he was doing everything he could to make money. That's true. That's Maybe true. he was trying to And we to know that money. he had at least some type of, of 
of connection in some way to the U.S. We don't know exactly what that connection is. And it's, it is a very elaborate lie to come up with, with the DEA being involved and. Now, do you think that letter might have been a cry for help? I, I think it, think I so. think it, I think, okay, The letters so, came after all of the victims were already dead and he was already on his merry way. But I think that could have been. Well, I, I, I think this is, okay, so I'm just gonna start with, I think that this is on the more unlikely end of the spectrum for right. things that could have <laughs> happened. But I watch a lot of conspiracy very videos. She watches a lot of Shane Dawson, guys. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I full-heartedly believe that our government agencies are involved in, in cover-ups. And especially with international instances. Well, we know they are. Instances. Have you ever, just, we're, we'll switch off just a little bit just to go into what Dara's saying about our government being involved in cover-ups. We know they're involved in cover-ups. You ever heard of the Franklin cover-ups? Well, yeah. I, I'm just saying that, that they're, I think that the letter could have been, I think it could have, and again, this is on the more unlikely end of my con, my conspiracy theories, but I think that the letters <laughs> could have been him essentially going outside of the cover-up and, and, and blowing the whistle. Yeah. And basically yeah. saying, That's what hey, I, not necessarily a cry for help because it's not, what help can there be? Right, but I mean, what I'm saying is fine. like what what I'm saying is he somehow slipped this to because that is an elaborate elaborate letter that was sent. So I'm saying like, but it could also be the cries of a desperate man, just like, hey, I don't want you to find out what I did yet. So I want I mean, you to think sure. I was. In the I mean, US. that's what Bruno thinks. Bruno <laughs> thinks that the, literally the letters were just something that he put out there because he wasn't ready yet. He needed more time. My also, what I'm wondering is, it seems like based on his leaving and everything like that, he didn't leave at night. He went. He places. wasn't hiding. He, yeah, he left a paper trail, and I think whoever actually did the killing wanted them to see him go to these places. Now it's possible the places he, they told him to go to the, go to places. It's possible they didn't tell him specifically places to go, but make sure that you leave a trail. Yeah. Make sure people know what direction you took. So he may have picked places that was dear to his heart. So, so Knowing you, he was going to leave his home country for the rest of his life. But do you think, do you think he actually left? Do you think he was smuggled? air quotes, smuggled out of the country or or somehow managed to get himself out of the country? Or do you think he Murdered just managed... dropped in the ocean? Uh, yeah, either dropped in the ocean or managed to somehow get deep enough into a crevice in these mountains that when he killed himself, they just never found the body. I mean, it's not a problem. I mean, the other thought is, is that he maybe he's still somewhere in France. I don't think he died in if if they killed him or if he killed himself. I don't think he died in the mountains. But there has to be some kind of significance of why he or whoever wanted him 
to be seen going in those mountains. Yeah. I think he had something to do with it personally. I don't think I, I like well, I obviously like I said, had something I don't to do think with it. I do not think not for a fucking second do I think that this guy's innocent. He's he's yeah, just like it He had there's no question he had something like there there's a part that he played. The question is whether did he play that <laughs> willingly? Did he do that because he wanted to or did he was he forced? I mean, that's a question. Was it forced? Like I said, I don't think that the victims, I don't think they died in their bedrooms at the very least. Even if they died at the house, I don't think they died in their bedrooms. I think they all, I think they they all died in one room. I think maybe they were like, I think maybe, you know, my dad, when I was little, like, you know, he had a 13 year old and a 16 year old. I remember when I was 16 and I stayed with my dad for a summer, he was like, let's make a, a blanket for it and just sleep on the floor in the living room. Okay, but where do you think they were killed then? Because there was no evidence in any room. There's no evidence outside. There's, I mean, did he walk to the middle of the street and blow all their brains out? I I mean, mean, no, what I, I, what I'm thinking happened is I'm thinking that he probably, okay, so there's a couple of ways that this could have been done. He could have had an umbrella that he put over the head of whoever he was killing, laid them down on the tarp, and then shot them. Any blood spatter would have gone onto the umbrella as opposed to... But it's still going to drip. I think it's more likely that he put them on a tarp and shot them through a pillow. Yeah, but there would be blood splatter on the ceilings and walls. uh, Not if you put a pillow in between the gun and the head. That's fair. That's a good point. How, How the hell... I mean, that has to be pretty big, especially if Dara saying that that twenty two isn't that powerful of a rifle. Yeah, I mean a twenty two. I mean it, it's going to depend on the specific gun, but most twenty twos are small enough that that young children can fire them comfortably. So we're not talking about you know we're not talking like you know an AR fifteen or AK forty seven or even a seven millimeter you know sniper rifle. Type power shot. We're literally talking about. Is this like a step up from a BB gun? Yes, like barely. Actually, that's exactly <laughs> so what it is. That's why hearing you, had you to say shoot it, them all twice. hearing you talk about it, I kind of understand a little bit better because honestly, that's the gun that my mom wanted me to get I'm for self really protection. Glad on this episode, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, we have a little bit more gun Twenty-twos are are very small. Um, they're not high powered. Which she also pointed out to me because I. I was complaining about the the sound, and I, I mentioned that in, in real life, a silencer doesn't exactly completely muffle the sound of right, a gunshot. Right, but 22s, according but, to Dara, are already pretty quiet. Yeah, they're yeah. fairly quiet to begin with, and, and then, then you add a silencer, add a silencer and add then a especially pillow. A, yeah, add a add a potential piece of of Something. you know deafening fabric, sound deafening fabric in between, whether it's a pillow or a blanket or. Well, the whole reason it, there's that, still going to be a sound, but it's going to be so minimal that it's it's not going to wait. A neighbor's not going to, yeah. Especially at three o'clock in the morning when everybody's if, dead if everybody's asleep, already yeah. dead asleep, then it's very possible he could have shot one, two, three, four, fourteen shots. Essentially, well, it would have been fourteen. It would have no. It would have been fourteen shots. It would have been twelve. Twelve then, on the first night, and then two the night before. Yeah, or the night after. But I think, yeah, I, I think, I think that they're, 
Again, it's more on the unlikely end, but I mean, we're also ignoring the fact that government agencies are, are, you know, conspiracy theory wise, pretty well known for covering up crimes and cleaning crime scenes. I mean, to be completely fair, you're not wrong. When I mentioned earlier the Franklin cover-ups, they literally covered up an entire town worth of molestation and child sex trafficking. See, I honestly... I honestly believe it had to have been someone else in that room with him. Uh, like I said, whether he did the shooting or they did the shooting. I think he did the shooting. I think the only thing he didn't do was dig the holes and move the bodies. Well, what I'm saying is if it was him and he's trying to get away, the woman said that the shutters are always open. He would have known that. So he closed the shutters. So I the think that he closed the were, shutters on purpose. Or somebody else closed the shutters. Right, that could have happened. I think that the shutters were closed and the note was placed up there to add to the theory. Because he knew that if he took everything and just made it look like they had all moved in a hurry, it wouldn't be weird for the shutters to be closed. Because if they had just moved in a well, hurry, what I'm saying is, if, if he just straight up killed his family by himself, with no assistance, whatever, and he no, wanted I'm to get he, away... No, I'm he did it on purpose. I think he purposely closed those shutters to make it look like the house was about to go up for sale, or the house was about to go back up for rent. What I'm saying is, I think it's more likely... That he either sh- he he either shut the, closed the shutters or somebody else closed it because I feel like if he did it he would have left the shutters open because how it wouldn't have signaled. it wouldn't have been nearly as suspicious well, for his neighbors he clearly didn't leave the house the day of they say that he stayed in the house until I'm aware he left of that. town but so, when he was gone the shutters were closed yeah yeah. And it would be way But that's more, why I think... Well, the, the shutters weren't closed until he left, left town. town. Right. The shutters they were open the whole time that he stayed in the house and his family was buried under the but terrace. But the neighbors said that that even when they went on vacation, but he, the shutters but would he, stay if open. If he knew that he was going to write, whether we think the letter is real or not, if he knew he was going to write this letter, he wanted it to look like they had moved. He didn't want it to look like they were on vacation. He wanted it to look like that house was going back up on well, the market. What, so what, he closed the shutters on Y'all are purpose. saying the same thing two different ways, <laughs> essentially. Um, so kind of gotten a lot of Stephen's opinions a lot of Kazea's opinions. I want to um, hear your opinions. Okay, so like I said, my my crazy unlikely theory is that somehow this guy is actually connected to, you know, the DEA and Interpol and they came in and, and wiped out his whole family and hid him away as some sort of agent someplace else. Crazy unlikely theory. Not what I really think happened. What I really think happened is that he has some sort of accomplice that he decided, you know, I'm tired of living this life where I have no money, I'm about to lose everything as it is, so forget this life, I want to go start something else. And him and his accomplice go through with the murders of his family. I think he was originally planning to leave his eldest son alive to you know, continue on the family name after he is gone and then decided, you know, that's a horrible idea and, and 
went through with murdering him and then took this pilgrimage to a place that he knew very well and knew that he could get away. Whether, honestly, I don't think that he committed suicide. You mentioned earlier that you thought maybe he had another family somewhere. Yeah, I think I, I think he might have had possible. another I think he had another life built and waiting for him to go to. This life had fallen apart and he decided I'm going to move on to something else. Well, another family would also go into my theory of like mafia or the government because they killed his family, so how much leverage do, would someone have over him if he had another life, another wife, another or another lover, another child? Especially being in nobility, so that would be a big that deal. Could be sim- that, it could be as simple as, you know, we've already killed this family. If you want to keep that family, you need to go to these places, you need to... Leave yourself a trail. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not going quite that extreme. I think, I think it's more likely that, that he just decided. Just <laughs> well, not even that he went crazy. I think he had just gotten to a place where he was in such desperate financial straits, and there had no way of recovering it. And it, it's even said that he's an incredibly vain and proud man. Yeah, that's why Bruno thinks so he, he didn't kill himself. he was like, you know, I can't make anything right in this life. I'm going to be a disgrace to my family and my lineage and my legacy anyhow. So let me just do away with it and let me go somewhere and start fresh. And I think he already probably had... A, a place and and a person in mind to help him. With Actually, it. when you say it like that, it almost sounds like the Chris Watts case that took case, took place in Colorado last year. It's just you just leave your family, damn it! You just just well, leave that's the, damn the same family. thing. That's Don't why I say that's why I say it sounds <laughs> a lot like the Chris Watts case because Chris Watts killed his wife, his pregnant wife, and his two daughters, and his plan was to. Let them go missing and never be found, and then marry this Nicole Kissinger. Yeah. So it was. It was. It sounds a lot like that when she explains it that way. Yeah, I think. I think the most likely. I think for me, that's the most likely thing to have happened is that he he had just decided I can't I can't make this life work anymore, and I've got something else, someplace else that's going to make me happier, and and just decided to do away with it all. But the more fun theory is that, that he's somehow involved in a government agency and, and they helped him come in and, and get rid of a mess and disappear. I guess I just don't know crazy people. So <laughs> I, I just, I have a hard time that for some to believe that someone just offed his entire family, didn't kill himself. And gleefully left. <laughs> well, I mean, Chris Watts didn't kill himself either, and actually had no plans to. He he hit it. I mean, there. So, because Kizaya and I watch true crime videos a lot. Yeah, we um, watch things constantly together. I'm not saying he, could, he didn't. It actually happens more often than you would think that that people would rather kill their family than leave it. It, it happen. It happens so often. Chris Watts. I it's mean, just... literally, the only reason that Chris Watts killed his family was because, and he said it. 
He said, I didn't want to, I never wanted to have kids. I never wanted to marry Shanann. It was her that wanted to get married. It was her that wanted children. I wanted to live a bachelor's. They were together for like, I think close to 10 years. They had two babies together. They were, they had a third third one away. Like when he killed his family, everybody was shocked and he made it seem like he, they made it seem like it was a missing persons case. Was there any kind of, based on family, friends, blah, 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 did anybody have any like notion that he would, was capable of this? Nobody had any notion that that Chris Watts or or because according to this, no one really thought that this man would be. Nobody thought that Chris. Nobody thought that this man was capable of doing it, but also nobody knew the real situation. Nobody knew. True. So I mean, when you're talking about, they don't go into it, but they. In you know, super deep detail into who Xavier really and truly is, other than to say he was a great father, but he was also very vain and proud. Well, he, which leads me to believe he's kind of a narcissist. So that's exactly what everybody said about Chris Watts too: was that he was very vain and he was a narcissist, and that's why he killed his family because he would rather kill his family than. Filed divorce. Yeah, be a well, failure. I just, I just um, if he did it by himself, willingly, without being coerced, that uh, the only thing way that makes sense to me is whoever helped him had to have had some kind of training or knowledge on doing this kind of thing. Yeah, oh, that so or think- somehow they got in. Incredibly, incredibly, incredibly beyond possibility lucky. That's way too lucky. <laughs> that is way too... So like, where do you think he went, Miss Dara, since you don't think he killed himself? I think he probably ended up... I think he ended up somewhere probably in Central America. I think his friend is right in that. With, with his language skills and his looks... Being able to fit into a country where the majority of people around you are dark-haired, dark-eyed, darker-skinned makes sense. It's easier to disappear when you look like everybody else. Yeah, not only that, but he spoke fluent Spanish anyway. French is very similar to Spanish. Yeah. I, I think he's probably chilling somewhere think, in, in Central America. Do you think the person that helped him was anybody in that documentary? Um, one of his friends, neighbors. There's nobody in the in the episode that really sticks out to me as would have been the accomplice. Um, Bruno would have maybe been the only one. Was that a? That was the best friend. That was a. Um, <laughs> the one who looked like uh, ugly, a very ugly French uh, Robert, uh, Robert Robert Downey Jr. Robert yeah, Downey very Jr. ugly fat French Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> As, as Kazea pointed at him out as. Um, but even he, when he's talking at the end, comes across as genuinely disgusted that his, he, he even so believed. that the person that, if, if someone helped him. No, I, I think it was somebody that was completely unknown to everybody else. I, I honestly think I that mean, it, it was somebody. it could have been somebody that, from this new life that he had. Yeah, I mean, that's just a theory, but yeah. I, I think I, it was somebody that was unknown to everybody else. I feel like 
mafia or the government had was more like I'm sorry I know it's outlandish but the way this I think it's the more fun theory and I think it would well, be the more fun just, theory to explore in depth but we don't have any evidence is, to back it up that's but that's my evidence yeah. there, it is such a clean murder and I think that I think the one thing these people allowed him to do is to put the religious figures the, the crosses like yes they killed him but you know, we buried him. Sure, whatever. You want to put that there? Because I do believe he cared about his family to an extent. I think he cared more about himself. And that's the thing. I, yeah. w- I won't take away from him that he was an incredibly involved father and that he did, until he absolutely couldn't anymore, provide very well for his family. But he, it was found out that he had lied about his business success, that he had lied about his financial situation, and he was, he had not just lied to the public, he had lied to literally every member of his family as well. It also goes to suggest that um, his failed businesses, is it possible that somebody gave him some kind of loan or something that caused this to... It's isn't. There's so many different possibilities, and that was one like of the things. The mafia. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things that bothered me with this particular portrayal in this episode is that they don't give us a whole lot of background information about what was his business, what was it that he supposedly did, how did he support his family for so long you know what was it that they just don't go into it and it it bothers me that he is portrayed as this incredibly loving person and then literally the next breath it's he killed his family he he he's the only suspect in the murder and the thing is 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 I don't think there's any way possible for him to be the only suspect. I think he is definitely the number one person they need to talk to. Well, they just didn't find anyone else that would fit. But they didn't They didn't look that hard. They <laughs> literally didn't look at any other possibility other than this man carried this out by himself. I don't believe that at all. No matter how this ended... Whether it was him, whether he was forced, whatever, somebody else was involved. Yeah, agreed, agreed, absolutely. All right, so yeah. uh, is so there is that it? Else to add? Don't trust the DEA. Don't trust the DEA. <laughs> and don't kill dogs. Please don't, don't kill dogs. Don't, she doesn't give children. a fuck about the kids, <laughs> man. Don't children. kill dogs. <laughs> don't kill children. Jeez. I mean, I feel like. Killing children goes without... Don't kill children goes without question. But don't kill dogs. Like, why? <laughs> I, like, she, I like dogs. She likes the dogs. She likes she, the dogs. She watched Pet Cemetery, and the child dying means nothing to her. <laughs> I mean, she named her child after a, a bunch of fucking characters in horror films. Her kid's name is Aiden. <laughs> yeah, so if you ever watched The Omen or The Ring... <laughs> This is just her everyday life. (laughs) 
I mean, I named my son after an X-Men uh, I mean, your so. son shares the name of the evil guy. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Alleged. Alleged evil guy. Listen. Listen here. If you're going to keep using that alleged shit, I'm going to keep calling you a bitch because he did it. I don't even give a fuck. He did it. Well... Since Kazaya knows he did it, she can go in there. She can she can prove it. It's it's fine. I mean, everybody knows he did it. They don't know where he is, so they can't charge him with anything. It's yeah. not that they're trying to figure out who did it in this case. They're trying to figure out where the fuck this guy is. Nah, yeah. I We've think we've already had an issue with you assuming that you're right. Um, listen, buddy, I need you to shut up. <laughs> nah, I mean, he definitely played a part, he was but involved. there's just, there's no way that he did this by himself. There's just no, no way. way. No way. No, no way. way. And anybody who thinks that he did is out of their is mind. Is a dog killer. Is <laughs> a dog killer. <laughs> And I, I don't condone that. We just need John Wick to come in and save everyone. <laughs> I need, I need, I need Benedict Cumberbatch or but... Sherlock on this case, please. <laughs> Bunder, but what? What? <laughs> I said I need Bener- Benedict, Benedict Cumber- Cumberbatch and Cum- Sherlock on this case. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Do you know he can't say penguin, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're getting a little. I mean, did you also know that? Shakespeare show, and he like yelled at some guy in the audience because they were videotaping him. He was like, "Put your fucking phone away!" But he says "penguin" twelve different times. Oh my god! Twelve different (laughs) ways, and his name is Benedict Cumber. What the fuck ever? Cumberbiatch. Anyway, all right. So, Dara, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, no, no. Okay. Um. If you want to contact us, you can contact us on the Dragon Blazer production fan page or on the brand new Unsolved Comedies Instagram page that I just created a minute ago. (laughs) Uh, The only thing I will say, though, is if you you buy... Some weird fucking chance. Have you know any where idea is. where this guy is? Please go tie him up and put him in a trash bag and deliver him to the French authority. <laughs> and make sure you duct tape the back shut. Or call or contact <laughs> unsolved.com <laughs> as the show that we just watched and we yes. pr- are, are talking about yes. suggests to catch him. Yes, but if you guys do have anything you want to tell us or if you guys would like to follow the show from now on, there is a brand new Unsolved Comedy Instagram page under the name Unsolved Comedies. So, and there's I, that. I also have Dragon Blazer Pro uh, and on Twitter and Dragon Blazer Productions also on Instagram that I'm still trying to figure out Instagram. So, Dragon Blazer <laughs> Productions, uh, a Facebook fan page, and a Dragon Blazer Pro Twitter. You can contact us. And come up with your own theories. We'll talk about it on the show. Yeah. If you, tell, uh, if you would like to, to go to the Unsolved Comedies Instagram page, Unsolved underscore comedies, and tell us your theories in the comments. We'd love to actually, actually see what we, you guys think. We also have, let me get it real quick. Uh, we also have an email. It's that, unsolvedcomedy at gmail.com. Um, I thought it was unsolved comedies. No, it's not. I, it's not. I just used it to create an Instagram page. I know what it is. They don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Shut up! Listen. 
Where's my accounts? I don't know. You're an idiot. We literally have the blind leading the dumb here. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I hope I'm at least the blind because I'm not as dumb as that fucker over there. No, you're totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely the blind. <laughs> I mean, he does wear glasses. That's fair. I mean, that's true. And you should be a blonde. Oh. Alrighty, guys. Well, I guess we should probably call it a night. It is 12.50 in the morning where we are. And I've been on the road for she's two been days. Up, she's <laughs> literally, like, and she slept in a hotel bed last night. Let me tell you, Dara is not nice when she's been sleeping on hotel beds. <laughs> I've been very nice this podcast. Um, outside of the podcast, you're not very nice. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> <That's really laughs> yeah, there was a lot less anger and yelling that I was I was honestly assuming to get called like a bitch a fuck ton more throughout this podcast. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that on this one topic, we seem to uh, pretty much agree that this guy... Did some really screwed up stuff and, you know, uh, so did potentially a government agency or the mafia <laughs> or somebody. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I think that this particular case is, is not particularly polarizing, um, at least based on the information that we have. But it is, it is a very interesting case and, and, unsolved in that they have never found him to to conclude right. it. Um, yes. But, um, you know, Steven and his bitch ass has to go to bed. I don't have to go to bed. You're gonna have to go pick up your son tomorrow morning. Look, go my bitch ass Look, has to go to six. fucking bed. Good to go? I've I've got well, a okay. whole last day. All right. <laughs> so long and good night, everybody. And don't be on our next episode of Unsolved Mystery. Hey everyone, I'm Steven from many different podcasts like Drunk Like Me, 
Pro Wrestling Apologist, The Rage and Blaze Show, and of course, That Got Dark. So, please like and subscribe 